Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. I think it's fair to say that more often than not, the world does feel unhinged. Now, this is just my perspective. I don't know if that's your perspective. Maybe, you know, everything's copacetic, hunky-dory in your your, uh, life. I just feel like from my perspective, especially if you're following along with the news and family and just life in general, and I don't, maybe this is just pandemic backwash. It just feels as though things are really deeply, painfully out of sorts. I totally agree with you. And I don't, th- I mean, it, it could be some pandemic backwash, as you said, but I, 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 I can't bear another mass shooting. I just can't. I, I, I can't. We're so deeply sick in this country. Yep. Josh Brown is back with us. Josh, a pastor at Belfield Presbyterian Church. It's in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. And Josh, as always, thanks for your presence here. John, Kathy, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Josh, I imagine your church being in Oakland that you spent a lot of today trying to navigate all the anxiety, concern, panic around uh, a potential active shooter, which, thank God, uh, was a hoax. What's but, it called? But... Uh, what is it called? Swatting? A swatting. Yeah, swatting. exactly. Yeah. T- tell us yeah. about what that was like, Josh. Yeah, uh, I assume that your listeners are at least mostly familiar. There was a, a hoax that was called in. I mean, they've thankfully recognized it as such. Uh, it's Central Catholic and then Oakland Catholic high schools, both of which are basically just a couple blocks down from the church. You can see them from the front of the steps here. So it's right at, right in Oakland. Um, and the the calls were taken seriously, as they should be, uh, in a situation like that. So the Oakland area was just flooded with uh, the first responders. Police were coming in. There were helicopters everywhere. The whole area just the whole area really went on lockdown. The entire University of Pittsburgh campus, we're right in the middle of that, went on lockdown. Again, as you as you need to do to respond to something like that. Um, thankfully, again, this was a case where it was not not accurate there was nobody there was there was nobody there that was engaged in that and so there was nobody who was hurt physically because of that but um we've been speaking with students and some parents and some people throughout the day today and and something like that is even just a, a deeply traumatic experience especially coming just on the heels a couple of days ago of uh, the shooting that was down in nashville and and so those things are, are very raw moments and when something like this happens and, and there were a few places. I've, I'm given to understand that there were a few places that received calls like that. There was a uh, – I, I don't know all the details. I know they're trying to figure it out as it happens, but there were several of those uh, swatting hoax calls that came in. And, again, the big thing, most important thing, nobody was hurt. We're very grateful for that. Uh, but it was, it's was. it been, been an interesting and very uh, pretty emotionally frenetic day, I think, mm-hmm. in the area, but for everybody. Yep. I, I wonder, you know, you, you read about this from time to time, that more and more kids are adopting um, flip phones. They're stepping away from their iPhones in, in a, a, an attempt to be normal and somewhat in their consumption of news media. I mean, it feels as though, Josh, or you know, social media. Yeah, that we all of us are so deeply connected here to every minute second of every flow of news story that comes our way. It, I, People, you know, 30 years ago didn't respond like this, certainly not 50 or 100 years ago like this. The news was slow. There's just this is too much to bear. It corrodes and crushes the spirit. 
It certainly can. Um, like most things, there, there's maybe a little bit of a double edge to something like that. I, I mean, for example, my uh, my older son is not at that school, but he is at another school that's very nearby, and he was reaching out and texting us because he'd been hearing – he heard about this before before we had, before anything was going on. So on one hand, to be able to raise awareness, if you need to, yeah. quickly is a good thing. Um, so there is that element of that this was able to be brought to a lot of people's attention very quickly. So that is a good thing. But you're, you're right, John, I think in that the, the shadow side of that, if you will, is, is just a super saturation point that we reach in terms of how much can how, how much of this can just uh, somebody bear emotionally, spiritually uh, as you're getting into this. And, and what and what is it that we can say, if anything, in those moments or where ought we to turn? Mm-hmm. Uh, those moments, if anywhere. Yeah. And I think that's my question, Josh, is where do we turn? Um, Because I I think we, the less we say on social media at this point, we're probably better off based on how the human race has behaved on social media since it started. But, but just to get our heads in the right place before we even figure out how to talk, um, help us to walk through this. What do we know as Christians? Um, What do we know to be true about the universe about who God is about who we are so that we can then move on to the next step of trying to make sense of where we are. Yeah, you're exactly right, Kathy. On one hand, I understand the impulse to reach out and just offer, you know, whether it's you're posting something on the social platform of your choice or whatever, I understand the impulse to do that. Uh, I don't know too many people who ever look back at hot takes that they made in the moment and thought, well, that, that aged well. And (laughs) I really, I really hit the nail on the head with that one. I, I don't. That doesn't happen often. That that in and of itself, I think, ought to give us a little pause on some of those things. But it just in general, even whether even if you're not doing that, even if you're just you know engaging with people on a personal level, or even even for yourself, um, I think there are a few things to remember. There's also a tendency to maybe just offer up some kind of an explanation, and it's sometimes important to remember that we we may not have that, and offering just very blithe platitudes is not very good. The book of Proverbs says, don't sing songs to a wounded heart. Mm. And one of the things I think that means is just in those moments, it's not always the best thing to say, to try to offer some, you know, to brush it away or to minimize it or to downplay it or to, well, you really shouldn't be that sad or, you know, something like that. Again, I understand the impulse to offer something that may hopefully sound encouraging, but uh, doesn't really always come across that way. So, Biblically, we've talked about this. I've talked about this on your show with you before. We've discussed this several times, I think, just biblically, the model of lament, I think, is an important thing to acknowledge that sometimes just just, just acknowledging that things are not right is is a very important first step, is, is the most important first step. Um, you see throughout the scriptures, people just crying out to God and saying that things are not right. This is not the way that it should be. And recognizing that is not, that's not a cry of despair into the void. Um, but that that is saying that no, things are not the way that they should be, and in that moment, I think we we put ourselves in a posture where we can start to to really turn to, especially uh, what we're going to be seeing over the next week as the as the Christian Church begins to move into Holy Week celebrations, and when we look at the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, uh, we can become so we can have heard those stories so many times that maybe we become a bit inured to them. Um, or just we, we've heard them too many times and they don't really strike us the way that we should. But those are the times where we say, no, no, God God himself recognizes that sin and death are not the way that it should be. And in fact, is going to deal with them in a way beyond anything that I could do, I deal with them in a way that is decisive and final and fully strips them of their power. 
Um, and, and I think that is the place we need to get to, but sometimes we shouldn't rush there. We, it's okay to first acknowledge why we need to be there. Yeah. I often think of uh, Noah's Ark, Josh, and God's wiping out all of humanity, like a, a redo, right? I mean, not that God made a mistake, but I think how bad the things have to be mm-hmm. before, if would that be a possibility, that God would do another redo. Like, I'm just, I'm sick of you guys. Clean up your act. Well, th- thankfully, he promised that he wouldn't do that. So, that's, <laughs> I mean, he did say that he wouldn't at least not do it in the same way that he did there. That's, uh, that's you know, the covenant promise that he makes there in, in Genesis. But, but you're right, John, and it, it's a really, it's a heavy and it's a complex thing to, to try to think through. Um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a theologian named Miroslav Volf who has written, I think, mm-hmm. pretty insightful things about this growing up and experiencing some of the real horrors of the... Um, Serbo-Croatian wars and, and where he grew up over there and, and seeing some of the just the horrors there. And in some of his books he's written that um, the idea, if you've ever experienced real horrors like that, then knowing that God is going to come in judgment against the wickedness of this world is actually a profoundly comforting thought. Mm-hmm. It, it tends to be some of the more modern Western sensibilities where we, where we, by and large, live some fairly comfortable lives that you think, well, the idea of God being a judge is that's narrow-minded and that's not comforting and that sounds really harsh and unloving. But he says, no, if you've seen the, the real darkness that can be out there in this world and in the human heart, Knowing that God is going to come and address that directly is actually quite comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it gives the the victim the faith that it will be set right, especially yeah. especially the countless, the millions and millions of victims around the world throughout history who've never been noticed, whose stories exactly. we don't know, whose stories nobody knew. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a reminder. No, God does see you. God does know what's happening here in this. Uh, and things will be set to right, though that, you know, again, the, the events of Good Friday and Easter show us how it is that that's set right. It's not going to be set right through just a, a renewed a renewed effort of the human project, as if we all, if we can all just get our act together and work harder, we're going to make things better. Um, that's not the case. It, it has to be through the death of Jesus that sin itself is, is dealt with in a way, the only way that could be, and through the resurrection of Jesus that we see the grave stripped bare of its power. And those, those are incredibly uh, good news, items of good news for us. I mean, the, the tension is that we live in this time between the times, this time between when Christ has achieved and secured those victories, and yet they're, they're not here in their fullness until his return. So that, that, that's that real point of tension in knowing that the decisive moment has happened, and yet not seeing it in its full fruition until Christ returns. So there is a real time of tension in that time between the times. Hey, Josh, always good to have you with us. Uh, just a personal thing. Uh, as you join us, I, I feel that you're never too, too high or never too, too low. There is a, mm-hmm. there's a semblance of, of peace about you. Well, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I pro- like, like everybody else, you know, there are, there are times where, yeah, I, I feel, I feel, Feel the fullness of, of whatever it is I'm experiencing in those moments. So I'm taking some time, even just personally. I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend that I'm immune to these things. But several times throughout the day today, if you, you know, our staff has just gotten together here at the church and prayed. We've prayed with and for some of the people out, uh, literally out on the streets and, and with us here today. That's a real important part of it. Mm-hmm. And taking taking those moments to just doing that, to do that, to make sure that you can, you know, anchor yourself there in the Lord. 
Um, I think often of what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus and he turned to those around me and said, I, I am not the Christ. Um, and so remembering that, that there is a Christ who has accomplished these things. Uh, it's not me. I didn't do that. And being able to just rest in that, I think, is, is a good thing. Um, spend as much time as we can together uh, reminding ourselves of, of why we need the good news, but then also just, especially this week, just, just dwelling as deeply as we can in the good news that Jesus is alive. Amen. Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You as well. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.